So if you want to hear more of our podcast, please click on jamesandsana.com and you can hear our previous episodes. And please subscribe because James has some good word of wisdoms every morning to share with you guys through that email that comes into your inbox. Sweetness? Yes? Are you recording? Yeah. Should I mute you from here? Or if I mute you, how am I going to hear you? Well, it's not like you ever listened to me anyway. <laughs> you may as well. <laughs> no, then how are we going to do the conversation? <laughs> we seem to manage with you not listening to me as it is, so you may as well mute me. <laughs> well, it's good to hear your voice. Honey? Are you there? Are you listening? Yes, I'm here. I'm listening. Would you mind acknowledging what I just said? Acknowledged with appreciation. Great. It's so good to hear. Kind regards, Sana. You know, I spent a little bit of time this week working on some of the aesthetics of the podcast. I tweaked the logo a little bit. Did you happen to notice? No. Do you even care? How would I know if you don't tell me? I just told you. Well, so anyway, you just told me a second next... ago and you want me to check <laughs> and notice it in a second? <laughs> well, you're supposed to you're supposed to be watching like I would expect Honey, I said you I'm to be your watching wife. the podcast. I said I'm your wife, but I am not a superhuman or I'm not a robot. I would expect you to be watching the podcast logo. Uh, you're every expecting hour. too much. Not everything should go the way I, you like. Actually, it should. It should be mutual. Okay, you're right. It should be a partnership. A marriage is a partnership, isn't it? Right. That's actually a little bit of our topic for today. My dear wife, Sana, is going to be. She actually had some interesting things to say on the topic of marriage, love, commitment and the order in which they occur. Americans often think that, right? I suppose Americans, basically Western society, has this idea that you fall in love with someone and then you get married. And Sana's culture, the Persian culture, is a bit, uh, it's not exactly that way. Oftentimes, there are arranged marriages in the rural parts of Iran. According to Sana, that it's not, it's not always a bad thing. Because sometimes when young people get married, it turns out that their parents actually know a thing or two about life and they might actually know something about compatibility and how to make it in this world that a 21-year-old girl or boy, they don't, they don't get it. And sometimes when young people, they get married for, quote, love, they don't take into consideration the many other factors that go into making a marriage or a successful marriage. And that is one of the reasons why uh, marriage is in the state that it is today in America and elsewhere in the Western world. So, Sana, I, I was just taken with some of the things that you said. So I want you to give us a little bit of an idea, open up this world that is is often closed off to us here in the United States as to what marriage and some of the ideas, the conventions about marriage in your culture. Yes. So 
uh, we're talking about arranged marriage, and I should say that arranged marriage is not really uh, old tradition, but um, it is practiced for centuries, uh, not only in my country or Asia, but also in Western society. Uh, you can see a lot of examples of arranged marriages among royalty and aristocrats. Um, an example of those could be when uh, King Henry VIII arranged marriage his sister, uh, Mary Tudor, to Louis of France because they wanted to strengthen the ties in, you know, uh, relation to politics or royalty dealings and stuff like that. So basically, during that time, it was really looked as uh, arranged marriage looks at some sort of a merger or some sort of you know um, creating a political allegiance between among people, um, mostly the royalty and aristocrats. Um, not far from my place, uh, and about maybe 40, 50 years ago. Uh, uh, Reza Shah, our king of uh, Persia, was arranged marriage to um, Princess Fuzia of Egypt because they wanted to also uh, create some sort of um, ties, political ties, or even if they had, they wanted to strengthen it. Um, now come all the way to current um, era in 2019, Around 40,000 couples were arranged marriage in South Korea through some sort of matchmaking service um, only in 2019. And they're all happily married and the report shows there was 0% of divorce among them. Wait, 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 wait. Describe this. What is this? A, a matchmaking service on the internet in Korea? Oh, no, not internet. It was like a matchmaking service. So this matchmaking services could be an app. It could be online. It could be in person. Uh, but the whole idea of matchmaking that you see in modernized world came from that ancient um, arranged marriage that was traditionally used century back and up to today. Some countries still going on and doing it. Well, all I'm trying to say is that the concept of love marriage, it's something very new, new age. Uh, it, it doesn't date back. Uh, it's something that suddenly in 21st century uh, became popular among youngsters. I want to fall in love and get married and all this stuff. So I think maybe it's because parents at home don't have much time to spend with their kids and they're exposed to media, to lots of things that is happening around the world and they believe in those things. For example, a Titanic movie, uh, you know, give an impression that love is so strong that even after years and years, Jack was drowned, but Rose is still, you know, not marrying anyone else because that love is it was so strong. But actually, in reality, marriage life is not only about love. It includes a lot of other things. The order in which uh, love and marriage <clears throat> occurs, you're saying, is a little bit off kilter from what it has been historically. Right. Because like you're, you're talking about aristocracy, which has arranged marriages, and those are very transactional. They, they have a specific end. But... The vast majority of marriages until probably, I don't know, let's say just a couple of hundred years ago, even here in the West, were, um, they, they were more or less arranged. Like they, were, they had very practical, very pragmatic reasons that one, a man or a woman would get married. And it's just recently that it, people seem to have just 
re- it's like they tell themselves that they have discovered the real secret of marriage, which is finding love first, but that doesn't always work out because love as we know it <clears throat> is often confused with emotion and infatuation and lust. And the real love doesn't occur until, in some cases, many years after a man and a woman meet. Right. Let's also define what is arranged marriage. I'm sure a lot of our audience probably are not familiar with the term arranged marriage. Many many people mistakenly take arranged marriage as forced marriage, where a 13-year-old in some developing countries been forced to marry an elderly <laughs> and there is no choice and chance for that person to get out of it, you know, because it will be shame to the culture, for the family and stuff like that. No. So the forced marriage and arranged marriage, they're two different concepts. And arranged marriage can be described as a marriage where a uh, bride and the group purposefully choose a third party, which could be uh, grandparents, parents, aunts, uncle, who they trust, uh, to uh, help them to find a life partner. But in modern marriage, marriage, this is not uh, solely depend on the elderly, but also the bride and group has a chance uh, or a choice, some level of you know uh, input into choosing their partner. So it's like you you can say, um, I respect my dad and mom, and I know they are well experienced. They brought me up in this world very well, and I'm happy with my successful life and achievements that I have. But at the same time, I have a choice to say no if I don't like my groom, if I don't like my bride. So that's arranged marriage. It's not forced. So you're saying that a young woman, for example, who's maybe, I don't know, 17, 18 years old, they would say, I trust my dad. I know that he has he's exercised good judgment. He's done a good job raising me. And so if he thinks that this person is suitable for me, then I will investigate further. But this woman ultimately has veto power over whether or not exactly. she, she has the right to say no. Okay, yeah, right. that makes sense. Yeah, that's correct. Well, matchmaking offices around the world really help these sort of countries with this culture of arranged marriage as well. And there are some uh, statistics that I have found. For example, India, one of the most populated country in the world, still up to today, whether you're in a capital city or a modern society, they practice arranged marriages and they really depend on uh, these you know, organizations and apps. Um, in fact, the India Times, one of the biggest national newspaper, has a column on you know, available bride and grooms, and you can just cut, contact the people who are in charge of that advertisement and see whether they can initiate talk between the young people. And a lot of people, young people get married like that. So today in India... 90% of couples marry through these channels, arranged marriage, basically. And by statistics shows by today when we are talking, James, only 1.1% of these 90% marriages are ended in divorce. So, okay, I'm not trying to really uh, push for arranged marriage. I mean, there are societies that the culture also do not give, um, what do you call them? They do not support divorce. So once you are in it, if you are not ha- facing a happy marriage, you don't have even a chance to get out of it. Uh, but that's the statistic shows. Now, if you want to compare that India, the only one country to the worldwide statistic, it shows that 
um, the whole world arranged marriages, uh, only 6.3% of those arranged marriages fail and it end up in divorce, which is absolutely, I would say it's one of the best way to get couples together and live longer. So you're saying that arranged marriages, they're not what they're made out to be in the, uh, in the subconscious of the Western mindset. And two, they're not nearly as, they're, they're far more successful than the so-called free will marriages that we that we're just familiar with it's just a given that you choose your partner of your own volition and even especially if your dad disapproves of whoever you're dating well that's all the more reason to go ahead and do it because you want to rebel against authority that's sort of the western mindset i can say boldly if my father was alive he would definitely more than 100% would have a say into my me and my sister's marriage and me and my sister wouldn't have any chance to choose our partner. This is really absolutely yes, true. Wow. Because my father was Indian and he was somebody of social status. Um, for a lot of reasons, he wouldn't want us to marry somebody that it will cause us failure or heartache or anything like that. And he would yeah. actually train us when we used to see it. I remember me and my mom, they would say, in your life, a marriage is not important. First is education. Second, for you to become independent. Third, if you think you already accomplished everything in your life and you need a life partner, uh, then you should look for it. And then you have to let us to, you know, help you with that because we are more experienced. So your father, rest in peace, bless his soul. You're saying that if he was alive today, there is a very good chance that you and I would not be married. Why did you say that? Why are you underestimating yourself? I'm saying that given the circumstances, as you just described, it's very possible that he would have chosen someone for you and it would not have been an American. Yes, that would have been very possible. Now, I, I want to, we are talking about all these things, but let's not get take it really personal because uh, it doesn't apply to my life and my sister's life. It was just something maybe 15 years ago, if, we, if, if, if our life went in different direction, definitely would have been different as well when it comes to our marriage life. Um, now, why, personally, why I think that arranged marriages mostly in India or my country or Central Asia works very well, um, because sometimes these... Um, control from the family members, you know, from parents or whatever that come in, um, they, uh, they have a very symbolic reason when they arrange marriage to families or to, you know, a uh, young uh, person. Uh, if it's not about politics, they probably want to keep their family names or they want to keep on this, doing the same business or they get into a, a partnership or maybe they are both two very wealthy family. They don't want their wealth to go out in the hand of others. Uh, it could be their even social status and um, some sort of a reputation they gained in their life and they don't want it to be ruined, you know. So in Central Asia and Iran, it's mostly like that. Um, but again, there are a lot of other countries. I, I know um, today that we're talking, uh, countries like Japan, Israel, um, in Asia, um, many countries like Afghanistan, Pakistan, China, they still practice arranged marriage. 
Uh, my own uh, good friend, a Thai friend, when we studied in 2008, uh, our master's degree, uh, she and her husband were arranged by their family because both families were very, very huge social class and very wealthy. The One of, one of the few tycoons in dealing with niche cars and uh, both family... One had a son, one daughter. The daughter was one year older, and they were for, kind of forced into this marriage, but they love each other as well. They both studied in the same university with me, and they have a beautiful daughter now, and everything is fine. Hmm. That's interesting because there's like my only exposure to this concept of arranged marriages because I'm born and raised in, in America, and this is, this is all I've ever known. So this is kind of unchar- uncharted territory for me. But all I've seen when it comes to arranged marriages is what I've seen in the movies. What comes to mind is Aladdin, the story of the princess. I think she was engaged to someone else, but then here comes this other street rat, the pauper, and she falls in love with him, and he becomes, like, by the power of the genie, he becomes a prince, and he's worthy to marry her, but ultimately it's discovered that he's not really royalty, but she falls for him anyway, and you have this kind of this underdog story. And that's the Americans love that. Americans love to root for the underdog. And that's I think that's part of the appeal of that is that this Aladdin kid who otherwise has no chance of becoming anyone, he becomes something be- and be- it's because of his tenacity, his um his his virtue and also because of true love, so called. So my question for you is You've sort of painted a, a picture of these transactional relationships that are marriages, but is there a point where these people who have these arranged marriages, for whatever reason they may be, at what point do they actually love each other? You touch on a very uh, interesting point, like Aladdin, uh, one of my favorite um, animation since I was a kid, and again, I watched it, the new one where it was not animated. Uh, so, Aladdin is actually a folk tale, um, and it has root back into Persian literature. Uh, it is taken from the Book of One Thousand and One Night, um, the Arabian Nights. So, I'm not quite sure where the original book is. Maybe somewhere in um, maybe museum or whatever. So, yeah, that is actually a um, story that was happening in Persia during those era. Um, what was your question, actually? She asks as I'm finishing off my apple that I'm having for breakfast. My question is, it's it's easy to get the impression that these arranged marriages lack love. You know, we think that you can't have marriage without love. But you're basically saying that these arranged marriages, there's no love. It's all transactional. They're, the families have a vested interest in their daughter marrying this other family's son. At what point in your experience or maybe stories you've heard, they have to at least have some affection for each other eventually and then grow to love each other? Instead of affection, I should say there's a chemistry they see in each other. Because, I mean, before you get involved in arranged marriage, you have to understand that... Um, it's a marriage which is based on choice and consent. 
And that is absolutely something you have to understand before you get involved with it. But also there are some reasons why the arranged marriages work, even though, like you said, the love is not really rekindling the fire and the bond between them. Uh, I think when you are arranged, you kind of feel obliged to your elders to show your best, you know, put on your best show. Um, you have no chance of manipulating, uh, cheating, or making up story, or try to kind of, um, what is the word? To make the other party kind of, you know, when you are going to interview, you try to, uh, in that situation, to change your personality and character to win the desired job? What is that? Uh, I guess you might call it putting on a facade. Yeah, something like put on a facade. Or a false, a false front. Yeah, you, don't ha- you cannot put a false front. So basically, you are uh, trying to um, mostly both sides. You are inclined to work through um, all the issues that you have from the past and try to dedicate to each other's needs and wants. So it's more mutual because you see there is a whole theater of relative and family watching you, how you're getting into this bond. That's one. Slowly, you're developing admiration for each other while you're working through all these, you know. Um, there's, oh, there's this saying uh, in my country. I don't know, maybe it is in your country too. Uh, that if you want to know your husband, your life partner, go travel the world with them. This is what my grandparents used to tell me and all my cousins. They said, before you marry, don't marry. Marriage is not important, like the old time they say. You can just be together, live together forever and love each other and build good life for each other. But go travel the world and see how that man treats you while you're traveling with him. You know, so I think arranged marriage is like traveling the whole world in a very short period of time. Because being among all the other party involved, it's like a traveling the whole world, you know, uh, with all the people with different mindset and background watching you. And of course, you are not rushing into marriage because of lust and passion or infatuation, like you said. I mean, it could be true in some cases or some cases of arranged marriage also could be because of lust or whatever, like I said before. But uh, in most cases, um, it's not because of that. Uh, I'm not saying love is not important, but in this type of a marriage, the system is put into our brain that love always comes next. Uh, Love is not the only factor and category to bring this bond between a man and a woman, but there are pantheon of uh, things that is happening in our environment in real life that we should take into consideration before we give 100% of our love and devotion and commitment and feeling and to the other person. You know, I think about how Hugh and I met, and something a phrase that I've heard many times is that love is an action word. It's not, it's not an emotion. It's something that comes about, well, I suppose it is an emotion, but it, it's not founded in emotion. It, it's an affection. It's an emotion that comes about as a result of action, work. And I recall meeting you in 2019 and we spoke on the phone. The first time was unremarkable, you know. It wasn't it wasn't memorable. Do you remember our first call? I do. Describe it, tell our listeners. All right, we we had been uh chatting on Facebook Messenger. 
No, and our first call was on your. No, no, no. Let me let me t- let me tell the story, honey. Let me tell the story. So we're t- we're kind of chatting on Facebook Messenger, kind of getting to know each other a little bit, and we reach the level in our relationship where it's time for me to understand how to pronounce your name. We reach that level, honey. And so I'm trying to I'm trying to say okay, so it's sauna, so I pronounce it like like a sauna that you go into this thing and you it's at, set it at a hot, high high temperature and she and she says no, it's sauna. Well, okay, so I need some pronunci- I need I need some correction here, some clarification. So I said I'm going to call you on the phone, and I I'm, I'm going to learn how to pronounce her name. So we get on, you can make phone calls with Messenger, and so we get on the call and. You're probably at your work at BUV. She says, okay, James, I want to hear you pronounce my name. And I said, Shafia Dori. And Sana says, that is 100% correct. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that was our first phone conversation. I think it lasted about five minutes. I politely got off the phone. I said, I have to go. James being James, RBF, he was... <laughs> No talks, nothing. It was like, okay, have a good day. Bye. That is that is completely untrue. <laughs> yeah, I'm kidding. Well, it's about 70% untrue. <laughs> All right. So our first, I, th- I, think, I think our first phone conversation where I thought that there could be something special here was like maybe a week later. We talked on the phone for about, I think it was like four hours. And then... I had to go, I had a choir practice or something where I had to go. But I thought, I think I just, this is the woman that I'm going to marry. And I kind of knew that. And I think for men, men know it before women do. It's just kind of the way we're wired. I just knew you need to make getting this woman, your wife, your top priority in life. Like everything else that you're doing right now, that is secondary. And you get this woman to want to marry you. And so that was my mission in life. Like every single day, 16 times a day, I'm sending messages, sweetness, you're beautiful, you're lovely, you're this, you're that, kind of talking on the phone. That's not so, James. If it's not so, what is so, honey? Mm, I don't know. I think it was just too much. I pick up my phone to like message other people, colleagues, friends, parent, mom, sister, and the <laughs> moment my icon goes online, there's a message from him. <laughs> I was thinking, is he just sitting staring at WhatsApp to see when my status <laughs> shows online, and he throws something in? Well, I knew that <clears throat> that. Um you would be a, a popular item. You're, you're available. You're making yourself available to suitors, and I just didn't want anyone else to have a, a prayer to get you. I wanted to be top of mind in your mind, honey. And uh, I knew that there would be other men trying to get your attention, but I said, no one is going to occupy her mind more than I am. And it worked out. What I'm saying is that, like, I... I told you maybe a month later that I love you. I, I used those words. And I think that you said that you love me a short time after that, maybe, I don't know, a week or two later. And it, and I meant it. I really did. 
I had, it wasn't emotion. It wasn't infatuation. It was genuine. I really love this woman. But the love that I had for you then, like just a couple of months after we met, is very different than the love that I have for you now. It's like back then I was asking myself, do you really love this woman? And then I would say, yes, I do. Now, almost three years later after we met, we've been married for almost two years. It's not even a question. Of course I love my wife. Sana has to ask herself every single day, do I love this guy? Who is this guy? No, but my case is different. When The day I told you I love you, after that I never had second thought in my mind or in my heart. I never asked myself, do I love him? Because, um, you know, I'm a very straightforward, very well-organized person. And if I make a decision, I, I will work hard to make it happen and I want to make it close to perfection. So I wouldn't say I love you without considering all my emotion and everything else involved because um, I didn't want to manipulate you. I don't want to um, bring bitterness in your life or anything. I wanted, I was sure, and that's why I told you. And I never doubted, even till today, about my life, my love towards you. But our marriage was not, it wasn't, I mean, we were introduced by a mutual friend but it wasn't arranged by any stretch. Quite uh, arranged. Based, <laughs> based on what you've just described, it wasn't arranged. It's yeah, not like I your mean, father... Right, you're right. Like It was more very basic information was passed on to me and you about us. Yeah, I mean, but it was, it was an introduction. Uh, James, you might... I think you might get along well with Sana. Sana, I think, I think you and James would hit it off. But that's not like like we're marrying so that our families can profit financially or so that we can so we can gain our our political uh, alliances in in uh, wherever that wasn't the motive at all. It was like there's an introduction. I think you guys will hit it off. And we did. We hit it off famously. So it's different from what you've just described. But it like the love that we have for each other. It didn't happen because of emotion. Mm-hmm. You know right. what I mean? And, yeah. you know, I, I feel like a lot of couples, they marry and um, they do not really understand the meaning of marriage. Uh, it's like there's so much said before you guys, um, not you guys, um, the couples um, officially or let's say legally uh, create that bond. And then once they put the signature on the paper, everything suddenly changes. You you totally see two different person, and um, they can they they try they strive to keep this marriage or this paper that they signed intact, not tear it apart. To the extent that they actually lose it all, because they're press pressing it so hard to keep it intact. And I think it's because. A lot of couples, especially in Western society, they see marriage as a contract. They feel like there are two people, they are in contract, and they both have responsibilities. And if one person fails, the contract has to be, you know, sent into a fire. What I'm trying to say is, today, marriage in Western society is, it doesn't have any meaning anymore. Love, nor commitment, responsibility, everything is fading away. Everybody is becoming so egoistic. 
It's all about I, I, I. I'm not going to give away anything. I don't want to sacrifice anything. That's, that's what I mean. Marriage is becoming like a contract. So I, I cannot even see, I cannot even say even arranged marriage or love will ever work for Western society. And today in universities where I'm teaching all these management books, some of the most <clears throat> important part or chapters of the book talking about Western society how the population in Western society is aging and companies are short um, young people, creative minds, because people don't want to marry. They don't want to bring kids. And even if they have few of them, they don't want to get education because the governments are giving them free drugs and all the entertainments available. I think that the, a lot of the sacredness of marriage that made marriage worth pursuing has been lost. A big part of it is that uh, the church in my opinion, has basically abdicated its its uh, responsibility in marriage to the government, basically saying, we give you the authority to, to, to certify, to make these marriages legitimate. We also give the government the authority to adjudicate disputes. Like, what church has the authority to settle any kind of legitimate dispute? In a, in a marriage. Some churches offer counseling services, but they don't have any authority to like, look a woman who's out of line in the eye and say, you're wrong, and there's going to be consequences for your actions. Like You have disrespected your husband, you have done this, you've done that, and this is the penalty. It used to be that the church had that kind of authority, and they would say, man or the woman would make their case to whatever, the bishop or maybe the, the head of the presbytery, whatever the case may be, and say, you know, my wife has done this, she's done this. It's kind of like a trial. I think it both way, honey. It's not only wife, even husbands. A lot of churches, they're, you know, given the authority to governments and they just don't want to get involved in people's life. They just want to focus exactly. on getting, winning more people to know Jesus and take them to heaven. Yeah, what, what I'm saying is that when when there are real problems in a marriage, the church, they, they don't have any authority. They've given all responsibility to adjudicate real disputes in marriages to the government. And so when things fall apart, as they often do, the church has no—they uh, don't have any uh, way of really settling it other than offering counseling, which is limited in its, in, in its efficacy, in my opinion. But then the real disputes are settled in divorce court which is the polar opposite. I mean, if you want to talk about taking the sacredness out of marriage, divorce court is the absolute. Ugh. I've been through it, and I can't imagine anything being more or, or less sacred than the family law courts. All right, Sana, we are approaching our time where we need to sign off. And uh, this has been really eye-opening for me. I mean, you, you talked about it a little bit a couple of weeks ago, and you opened my eyes to some of these concepts, but uh, I learned a lot. Uh, you gave me a lot to think about, and hopefully uh, people listening in, it, it, it's definitely thought-provoking to think about arranged marriages and what comes first, uh, love or marriage. Um, I guess it's kind of like asking what comes first, the chicken or the egg. Bottom line is that love doesn't happen without real work. Honey, I have um, a question oh, before you finish. Wh what is your question, sweetness? 
you know, our marriage is not about chicken and egg. You know that, right? Well, it sort of has to do with eggs when it comes to making babies. So in, in a way, our marriage has to do with eggs. <laughs> She's saying, cut that out, dude. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what makes our love grow even stronger? It was strong from beginning, and it's growing stronger, opposite Polar opposite of a lot of couples in the world. It's because we have eggs for breakfast every morning. Honey, be serious, please. I am serious. Okay, sorry, go ahead. What makes it strong, sweetheart? I asked you first. You're supposed to ask. You're asking me? I thought it was rhetorical, like you're asking me, and then I'm going to give you a blank stare, like a calf looking at a brand new gate, and then you give the answer, so... Uh, okay, you're giving up. Okay. <laughs> what is it, honey? Because we started our relationship with everything involved. We had the love, we had commitment, responsibility, and emotion, and we had God. We had the whole total package. That's why our relationship is very different. And pretty much for three years we know each other, me and you, we do not have any issues in our marriage. No. No issues whatsoever. No. Nope. Can you think Issue about free anything? marriage right here. I cannot think of anything about me and you that created by you or created by me. Everything else is external. We have issues, but they are solvable. Right. It's not created because by we, us. Yes. Uh, there are many issues that we are currently going through that are beyond our control. They're caused by circumstances and individuals that over whom we have zero control. Which is normal because we are open system. We have to interact with our environment and uh, we have to face every other thing that is happening in the external environment. Neither of us have created any of these circumstances that would facilitate a, a dissolution of our marriage. Do you know what I think? What is the direct... I mean, why when I say me and you don't have issue, I can give you an example. You know what would be issue in our marriage if uh, one day I find, for example, um, <clears throat> um, you are hanging around with another woman. That's a direct issue in our marriage. Or the same as me. You find me <clears throat> with another man without, I tell, without informing you or you, you understand what I'm saying, right? These are direct. But every other issue happens because of another cause or reason it's it doesn't really relate it to our marriage right and those circumstances that we're going through that that cause us to be a little bit on edge at times because of these things that are beyond our control and we just we have to learn how to react and respond in a healthy way which sometimes I don't I'm the first to admit these circumstances have made us stronger they have made us more committed to each other not just getting to the other side of of whatever circumstance we're dealing with but in my mind it's made us more committed to the relationship and the marriage and i think Mm -hmm. we just love each other that's it we enjoy each other's company we enjoy to look each other's eyes Uh, we like to eat together a lot right and i like to pick on you even though you're not used to that's very persian culture i like to treat you like you know how elderly in my country treat even a 50 40 years old son or daughter and you're not used to? <laughs> no, I, I enjoy it. And uh, I don't have any reason to go fishing. I have sauna, and I don't 
I, I couldn't possibly want anything else in life when it comes to a, a romantic relationship. So I, I have no motive whatsoever to go looking for something when I already have it. You know what I mean? No, I don't know. It means you're beautiful, honey. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for pressing play. I hope that uh, we have uh, made you think a little bit about marriage, love, the order in which it occurs, and we appreciate you pressing play on our little show. Sana, do you want to say goodbye to our listeners? No, you can't wave, honey. They can't see you wave. You have to say goodbye. <clears throat> My basmati came up. Next next episode, we'll introduce basmati. I, I see her right there. She's like chomping at the bit to get onto the microphone and, right, and I, say hello. I, I try to quietly tell her to stay calm. Yes. It's not basmati, we're the gonna last have to, episode. We're going to have to hold off, basmati. Just hold off. You'll get your chance, but just be patient. We'll get you behind the mic next episode.